Welcome, traveler. You have entered the realm of adventure. Prepare yourself for tales from beyond the dice. Welcome back. We play role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition and more. Now, due to these strange, odd, and weird times of COVID-19, we have had to um, schedule a little differently in, our, in the way that we do our recordings. So, as the last few episodes have been single-player episodes along with myself, uh, this too will be one. And this episode will feature Cortain. I am Luke, your DM, and your player is... Ben, I play Cortain, the human fighter who pursues justice and sometimes a bit too hard. Ultra Die Incorporated. Mm. You know the name, it's very familiar to you because you have spent months here at Ultra Die. A couple months. Your family, your sister and your mother have been able to visit you on sparse occasion. Not being able to spend a lot of time at Ultra Die and you've been shipped around from the main tower to other facilities around New Etika. You're at Ultra Die now. And you have been told that it is uh, the time of your release. You are no longer chaperoned by Ultra Die security. You're not shadowed by anybody. You are trusted in going out into the world and going on with business as usual. But before you have left Ultra Die, you have asked to meet with your handler in this case for you Cortain your handler is Hayashida Sukaro and he was a street samurai a mercenary who retired from that life and is now like a consultant um, for Ultra Die when they deal with mercenaries and he's sort of been in charge of you uh, and your relationship with Ultra Die because you're the most seasoned mercenary amongst your group and um, you are meeting with him with a proposal. You're no longer in that sparsely decorated Spartan white and chrome room that was described in the season premiere episode. You are in a nice suite. It's got its own bedroom, its own study which you have probably turned into i don't know an armory or a workout room or whatever you can tell me that it's got its own toilet kitchenette a little lounge room and a beautiful view of the city in central district and you can just see dark haven off in the corner there you have invited hayashida into your room you are sitting at the small two-person table and you are to state your case for your uh, your request so Hayashida's been reading over the preliminary, you know, documentation that I put together. I've also poured him some nice whiskey, and as he's been reading, I've just been, we've both been, you know, sipping, he's been quietly reading, and then he puts down the documents. I put down my glass. Hayashida, you know that this is needed for Darkhaven. We need a strong arm of the law, and you know that the cops the people in charge, they don't care about Darkhaven. I don't even know if you care too much about Darkhaven anymore, but it can be profitable for Ultra Die. A safe Darkhaven means more businesses might flourish there. People will feel safer there. 
People might even move there willingly rather than being forced to because of events and misfortunes pushing them to the bottom of the ladder. And if Ultra die, one is part of that, part of the group that makes it better, you know that that is worth a huge amount of publicity and goodwill. But also, if you buy the dirt cheap businesses and locations and real estate there, and then it gets cleaned up overnight or over months or over a year, and then those prices for that, for that retail space or those businesses shoot up, that's just profit. So even if you don't care about helping the people of Darkhaven, you can also think about helping yourself. And I know that you have enough deals that went that fell through for military equipment, enough R&D projects that were shelved, that you could equip as many people as you wanted in Darkhaven with even basic military equipment, and you wouldn't even see it in the bottom line of Ultradie. But you might see this. You might see a change if Darkhaven became a better place. Hayashida sort of leans back in his chair. He brushes some loose pieces of his dark hair that has fallen out of his top knot, out of his face. He stretches. You see his cybernetic arm, this top grade but sleek military cybernetic arm. You see it flex as he stretches. Cortain, look, I love Darkhaven. I was from Darkhaven, a street samurai. And then I got my ticket to be a mercenary and I did that for many, many years. I understand the plight, but Ultradide, they don't want to fund an enforcement task force that isn't profitable. They don't want to fund one if it means there is an inside force working against it. I need you to guarantee that the mole that destroyed the Order of the Aegis is found and dealt with before we can even consider putting whatever resources we have available at your disposal. I want to think that it's going to be easy, Cortain, and I want to be able to go to Ultradie and convince them that it's going to be easy. But organizations have tried to revitalize Darkhaven before. The Ekdar Foundation, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, the Elizabeth Castor Darkhaven Aid and Rejuvenation Foundation. It's a mouthful, I know, but they tried. And they were a great example of why this sort of thing does not work in Darkhaven. At one of their rallies, two gangs decided to break out in war, and a very important member of the High Society of Darkhaven was shot and killed. The Aegis is another example where the very citizens of Darkhaven rise up to face the crime and injustice of their districts, and they were crushed by the forces they struggle against. And that- You know why those other attempts failed. Not the Aegis, that failed for different reasons, but the other two, they didn't work because they were outsiders. You know, you know the people of Darkhaven, you know that they don't trust outside help because everyone distrusts those from outside Darkhaven because everyone knows that Darkhaven people are treated as trash and are thought of as trash. You know it takes the people of Darkhaven who actually give a shit to make a change like this. Yes. And you're right, the Aegis did fail, but not because we didn't have the support of the people. 
the people in charge decided that we weren't going to get our hands dirty dealing with the gangs, that we would play defensive, not proactively make changes, but we would just simply try to keep the peace. But we had a mole, as you know, who brought us down. So the only way to bring peace to Darkhaven is to bludgeon the gangs and the crime lords who make it their own. Look, Cortain, you have won me over. Ultradai will want to hear this idea of backing businesses, purchasing property and land to increase the economy there. If we can present Darkhaven with some financial value, it will catch the eye of the Ultradai execs. And have you got the information I need to make this a more safe venture for Ultradai? I do, but I want you to I want you to consider something for me. The people that you collect and put together to be a part of this organization, they need to be accountable. We need to ensure that there will be no internal threats. And then uh, I can go to Ultradie and they will hand over resources. I know you've done your research and we've got warehouses full of equipment that you can use. But if you're going to do this, they will be an army and they will be seen as one. So we have to do with the politics that might come from that. Yeah. He grabs this small black cube, taps on the top of it, and this light blue broadsword and shield logo appeal appears on top of this black cube. He slides it over. That information that you need, it's in there. I grab the cube and put it in my jacket pocket, like the, the inner pocket of, of my, my leather jacket. Cortain, if you can find that mole and guarantee your new organization's honesty, then I will be your champion for Ultradie. I will go to them and I will shout and kick and scream until we get what you want. Because Darkhaven is always the bottom of the barrel, trod on by those above them. And you're right, they are seen as the scum and the dirty, but they can be so much more than that. He stands up and he pulls his shogun robe over his shoulders. In a few days, Cortain, you can leave this place. You'll be able to walk freely. Before then, I'll see if I can find some sample wares of the equipment that you've asked for. And uh, if I can get the permission, you can take it out with you and show those of your new group what they could be fighting with. He bows. Good places his hand on his katana at his hip and he walks towards the door sort of like stops as he presses the button the door slides open Cortain if there are people like you in Darkhaven that truly want justice that truly want safety for their district then I think you can do this thank you it's always good to talk with you and just as all those years ago, you wanted better for Darkhaven. There are still those there now who want the same. They just need someone to believe in them. You don't often see him smile. It's a very serious gentleman. But you see the corner of his lip go up and he sort of nods as he leaves your room and the door closes. Shh. Now, it's a few days later. You're in this very Spartan room, these chrome benches with 
tall mirrors rising above these benches. On the benches, there are all these equipment cases on one side, and the other side, there are shotguns, short swords, submachine guns, pieces of armor, light, medium, and some some uh, heavier chest plates, some helmets, all of the tactical webbing, and it's all uniform. It's uh, this sort of dark bluish navy color. Gautain, these pieces, these this equipment, I'm being told that we can change the coloring to whatever you think would be appropriate. Hayashida standing there with his cybernetic arm, he uh, has a katana that is laying on one of the benches and he unsheathes it, looks at the blade, turning it. A lot of these weapons are uh, very well made. Not as well as what you and I have, as he taps on his katanas at his waist and your father's sword that's laying on the table, but they will be able to equip your organization and do some good rather than sitting in these crates. Look, they might not stop long-range sniper rifle rounds, but small arms... As long as they can deal with the equipment of the gangs, it'll be enough. He, um, he walks over grabbing one of the breastplates, and there's like a little holographic orange Ultra-Dye logo on there, and he mm. presses a little sort of button on the side... And he says, so, I know you didn't ask for this, but I went through to the research division that developed this set. And it was for one of our security operations that we were going to be putting into effect, but it didn't go through. And I asked them to make this. Now, you can't wear these colors as he taps the button, you see the Ultra Die logo change. It flickers and becomes sort of a light blue color, and it's that broadsword and shield logo. Good. You can't wear these until you get full permission from Ultra Die Incorporated to hand and equip your people, hand out and equip your people. But this set here, as he pats the one on the table. Mm-hmm. You're free to use to showcase to those you wish to employ. And what about my armor? When will Ultra Die allow me to use that? Let's say Ultra Die wants to keep that as collateral. It's unique. I have heard that the research and development departments want to get their hands on it and find out who made you those. those. Boots that they've incorporated into that armor set because it would be incredibly useful to have, well, I guess, multiple Cortains protecting their interests. But for now, it's in storage. It's collateral. You can take what you want from this room, but if you misuse it or you break the NDA, the armor, your armor, is theirs. But if you abide by the NDA, you bring this equipment back with out with not too much blood and gore on them, then 
your armor is yours. Okay. But let's just say Ultra Die will keep a hand on it for now. You can take your father's sword, you can take your revolver, but... Yeah, no, the armor is a symbol for them. It is. It was the second thing that was seen as that monstrous beast fell out of Ultra Die Tower. The purplish, bulging skin of that thing, and then you flying to safety. You, uh... I don't think you've ever answered this question yet. But did you know about that creature? Not the stories that they've told the public, but did you know? Do you know about much of that Ultra Die does? Mm, I know as much as they allow me to know. I did not know about that creature. I am employed by Ultra Die to act as a emissary between any mercenaries that they might employ uh, between the Cell Sword Tribunal and Ultra Die. Uh, besides anything that might surround that, I, I do not know of their operations or their research development. I know as much as the media have said and as much as Ultra Die has told me, which is that the Banshee had some sort of chemical agent that transformed some of the scientists in uh, Ultra Die Tower. Now, I don't want you to say if that's the truth or not, because that is bordering the line of breaching the NDA. It's mm, alright. I won't talk about it to anyone else outside of this room. I can tell you that there are rumors of creatures like that out in the wastes. Whether that's true or not, mm. I don't know. I've never been out there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if those creatures are out in the wastes. If I did, might as well believe that there are dragons out in the wastes. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're long dead. Now, I know this armor isn't as high-tech or as protective as what you're used to, but you'll be able to move fast. You'll be able to take hits. Maybe not from mechs, not too many of them in that case, but I think you'll do fine. It's all right. It'll serve the purpose. All right. And as you gather the things that you want to take with you, Hayashida leads you through the halls, down the elevators, and out to this discreet little um, hallway that leads to an exit out of Ultra Die. And along with you is Spigs and Little Moss. They just look the same as usual. You all walk down this hallway, exiting the building. And there are these shuttles, these hover vans that are sitting in the sort of this little parking area. And you see Spig's family there waiting for him. And Spig's just sort of sprints off as fast as he can with his mechanical legs. And you see your mother and your sister have come to sort of greet you. You move over towards them. You look over at Spigs and Little Moss and sort of just give them a little nod. You get in the hover of it, the, the shuttle, and it takes off, leaving Central District, and it heads towards home, Darkhaven. So, 
it's been a couple days since you have uh, made your way home to Darkhaven. And we see a dark alleyway in the evening. Now, there is some light pouring in from the street that this alleyway is connected to. And we see a man in green overalls in this sort of old-timey cursive writing. It says Dalton. On the back, it says Batch Mechanics Auto Repair. He is on his communicator. He's just, like, flicking through, looking at something, and he walks down the alleyway because it's a quicker way home. He just wants to get home to his family. And this man, he's a human. He is probably in his late 30s. Not scrawny, but not overweight. Maybe just a medium build. Long-limbed, shaved head. Very um, short stubble. Smiling as he looks at a picture of his kids. And as he walks out of the light that's flooding in from the street behind him. He sees the red glow from helmets. And he hears a voice. Hold up. Tuck your communicator away real quick. And then he hears another voice. I want you to open up your wallets. And I want you to dump any hard creeds you've got on the ground. I want you to drop your communicator where it is. And I want you to take this. And then he feels a hard, sharp feeling. And he crumbles to the ground as a third one holding this metallic baseball bat stands overhead. And the mechanic sort of thrashes his arm out. And he gets stomped. And these three boneheads with their white skull helmets and their red jackets and hoodies are laying into this mechanic, beating him. Dalton, the mechanic, turns and he looks towards the alleyway where he came from as he feels a foot hit the side of his face. And he sees some people like look in as they hear the noise and scuffling sound of this, this, this one-way fight. And they continue on their way, as most Arcavians do. These three boneheads laying into this man. One of them pulls free the wallet and opens it up, finding all of these thin plastic creds. And they're laughing as they beat into him. One of them says, Let's just finish him. There's no point leaving this piece of shit here laying bleeding out. He lifts a knife. As the guy with the knife, the bonehead with that blade, begins to encroach and move the blade towards the mechanic, there is a resounding gunshot that echoes in the alleyway as a bullet passes through his lower forearm. You can hear the crack of bone and the splatter of blood. The knife falls to the ground. Little blood droplets land on the blade. For a moment, we see those little blood droplets marking the perfectly honed silver edge of this knife. As this bonehead grips his hand, the other two boneheads turn to look to their friend and some very dull lights flick on from their helmets, shedding the area in a red light. They see this, this member of their gang who was holding the knife, gripping his arm as it's almost falling into the shot from your revolver, almost taking it off cleanly. He's screaming in pain as he falls to the ground. The other two turn to see the figure in the shadows. One lifts the baseball bat. The other one begins to pull free a small pistol. Let's get you to roll, uh, roll an athletics for me. 
22. 22? Yes. The guy lifts the, the steel baseball bat. As he's lifting it up, you just block it with your, um, like, the new armor that's on your, that protecting sort of your arms. You smack it down. And the other one lifts the pistol. As the other one pulls out the pistol, I will just, from a stand, just kick the guy with the baseball bat straight into his friend with the pistol so that they fall into a heap. So you boot the first bonehead who's holding the baseball bat. The baseball bat drops to the ground and makes a resounding clang echoing through the alleyway. He stumbles or falls backwards into his friend who isn't quick enough to sort of move his pistol out of the way. He fires. There is a flash of orange from the barrel of the weapon. Though it is muffled, the sound is muffled as he fired directly into the bonehead that was falling against him. The two fall to the ground. Dalton, the mechanic, is trying to pick himself up, but he's holding his leg in it. It looks bad. Not broken, but there is some blood coming from his leg as his pant leg is torn. He looks up. He sees the figure stepping out of the shadows. He sees the two boneheads, one screaming in pain as he's holding his stomach, the other one sort of trying to push his friend off of him. He then turns and sees the one holding what remains of his arm, screaming in pain. The only one that's uninjured is fumbling with his pistol, and he lets go of it as it's caught underneath his friend's body, and he lifts his hands up, looking at you. And he's like, Please, no, please, stop, stop, please. I lift him up by the scruff of his jacket, slam him against the wall, and then just staring at him through the, the combat helmet that I'm wearing, say, You are going to call an ambulance for your two gang members. This time, I'm letting you go out of mercy. If I ever see you or your true friends, even so much as not bless someone after they sneeze, you will not live anymore. Roll an intimidation. 14. Okay. I'll call an ambulance. And you won't see me ever again. I promise. You see some tears running down his face as he looks down to his bonehead friend who's bleeding out and sort of screaming in pain. I'll get out of here. Oh, 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 you'll never see me here again. Okay, I let him, I let him go. He drops to the ground and he fumbles around in his pockets. He pulls out a communicator, starts pressing some buttons on there frantically. While he's doing that, Dalton the mechanic is picking himself up, shaking in his legs. He scoops up his wallet and his communicator and sort of tucks them in his overalls. And he says, Why, thanks, mate. Oh, Who are you? My name is Cortain, as I take off the helmet. Oh. I've seen you on the telly. What you, what you fighting crime down in Darkhaven for? Aren't you some sort of celebrity now? I was looking for you. Me? Dolan? No way. You're pulling my leg. Well, not you specifically, but I was looking for people, good people of Darkhaven to help clean up this place. I know you know that the Aegis has been destroyed 
but I'm putting together another group. This time, we're opening to any of the good people of Darkhaven to help to clean up and defend their homes. Is that something you want? Yeah. The Aegis is gone now, Cortain. My family is not safe. I want them to be safe. I want to do what I can. I want to do whatever I can to help. I think I know some other people that might help too. Then take this to them and I wave my hand across, you know, the, the you know, the data pad interface on my on my arm and I shoot him the kind of the the sign up sheet and the instructions. Say send this. Show this round to all the people that you know are decent and are living under fear of the gangs. Get them to sign up and in a few days, maybe a few weeks, I'll come and I'll get you guys to start defending your homes and I'll teach you how to defend your homes. The Swords of Darkhaven? Yes. Alright, Mr. Cortain, I'll, I'll do it. But one last thing. Yeah? This is not just another gang or organization for its own interests. This is an organization to help the people of Darkhaven. So you've seen what I've done to these ruffians who assaulted you. But also tell your friends that if any of them are joining for their own selfish ambitions and because they want to shake down people and abuse them themselves then I won't give them the same mercy and the same second chance that I gave these boneheads. Yes, sir, Mr. Cortain. I'll tell them. Only the ones that believe in justice should join the swords. I'll see you in a few days. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So he's 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 a right to leave. Like he can he can he got he got a pretty bad beating. He can he can get home. I think Cortain thinks he'll be safe. Yeah, he's like limping, but he you know there's no bones sticking out. Uh, he's he's bruised and a little battered and bleeding, but. He um, he looks at his communicator that you've sort of sent the information to and um, he continues down the alleyway. Looking over his shoulder, you hear him yell out again, Thank you, Mr. Cortain, thank you! Yeah. Cortain then walks back down into the darkness of the alley. raining. Cortain, you have found yourself at the usual tavern, or the usual bar that your old friend Sisk, one of the leaders of the Aegis, where he frequents, he drinks at when he's having a rough day or just to cool off. The tavern is called the Iron Cricket. You see the sign of this tavern overhead the outlined in green is a cricket and in the center is like this dark gray metal almost like it's um a robot cricket but made out of like this dark gray material it has little painted rust bits on there someone's gone into some nice detail painting up this iron cricket and you push the door of this establishment open you walk inside and there are booths along the right wall these are uh, these wooden booths with these uh, various cushions that have been placed around there are some circular uh, sort of tables in the center along with some pool tables and some arcade machines off in the back on the right sorry on the left wall 
there is a long bar. All of these tall stools. There is a half-elf woman behind the bar. And you see a halfling man sort of um, behind the bar as well, but sitting on a stool. And he's cleaning glasses. A few patrons in the place drinking. These amber lights give this place a nostalgic feel. And you see Sisk sitting there with his short grey buzz cut hair. He's wearing this tan coloured overcoat with the collar popped. In front of him there is a whiskey. And he picks it up, takes a slight slip, puts it back down on the table. He hears from behind him that looks like a finer whiskey than you're used to, Sisk. As I pull up chair next to him. He turns and roll insight for me really quickly. Eight. You see him smile warmly. Ah, Gautain. It's been a long time, my friend. Yeah, this is a stronger whiskey than I'm used to drinking. You're right. It's expensive too. So he looks over at the elven bartender, smiles, and he says, Can I get another for my friend here? I don't know if you've seen him. He's been on the the casts on the television. He's a hero. And she looks at you. She says, Yeah, I've seen him. One coming right up. She walks over and begins to pour you a drink. As you sit down on the stool next to him, what brings you back to Darkhaven, Cortain? I thought you would be uh, spending time in more vibrant circles of people. <laughs> you know, I don't deal well with the high society. And Darkhaven's my home. Yeah. And with the Aegis gone, I thought I'd best do something about it. And what's that, Cortain? A lot of uh, the Aegis is gone. A lot of it's. A lot of us are dead. Or. Hiding? Scared? What are you going to do? I Bring want... you new glory and fame to show off down here in the dark, drizzly places as he looks around the bar. If that might help, if it might help to give hope to the people of Darkhaven that there's more to life than simply looking out for one's own interest, I've got an idea and I want to tell it to the rest of the remaining leadership of the Aegis, those who survived. Okay. So you've come here to, um, not to visit an old friend or a friend of your, your pops, oh. but to, uh, to get the band back together. Is that right, Cortain? Yeah. Come to see if we can do some good. Cortain, we tried to do good. I don't know what the, what the use of getting everyone back together is. If you're going to try and remake that, remake the Aegis, it's a, an institution that was around for almost a hundred years and now it's gone. There were reasons why they just failed. You know, we didn't we didn't do enough against the gangs. We let them grow strength. As long as they didn't mess with us or mess with our own, or those close, close by on the streets when we were near, we didn't do anything. We just sat there and let them grow. You know the Aegis was strong. It was strong when it was formed, but we we were passive. We just let the world go by thinking that if we just simply stayed out of trouble, that Darkhaven would become a place of peace. Yeah, but Cortain, you see, we were like that because we had families. We were fathers and we were mothers and sisters and uncles. We were just normal people trying to make our 
our district a better place. And, like, wh what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to have our faces out on display as we fight the crime, the crimes in the street. And then they, you can see he's really agitated and he's sort of shaking his glass around the little bit of whiskey that's left, sort of sloshes out and he stops. And he looks over to the uh, bartender who then puts the glass down in front of you, tops up Sisk's glass, and Sisk says, leave, leave the bottle. She arcs her eye and she's like, all right, but just remember, there's no tabs. You have to pay for it. He's like, I'm good for it. I'm good. She places the bottle down. He's rolling the glass around on the wooden bench top and leaving those sort of condensation rings as he's moving the glass around. And he turns to you. Instead of just looking over, like, at the corner of his eye while he's been talking to you, he turns and he actually faces you. As you've been facing him, you stop from getting your glass. Look, Cortane, I'll talk to people. I'll call Fendel, I'll call Iron Grip, I'll call McManta, I'll call any of the others that are still around. And... I'll put some people together so you can meet with them, but I don't know how happy they're going to be to hear that you want to get to get things going again. A lot of people died, Cortain, where you were up in that tower of yours. As he says that, Cortain shatters the glass in his hand as his kind of arm spasms a little bit and he grunts, grits his teeth, and whiskey just flows out on the table and even a bit of blood trickles down from his hand as he's shattered the glass inside of it. Sisk turns and he looks at you. Oh, what, what's the matter? Are you okay? And he looks at your hand where it's been cut. And yeah, there is some blood coming out, but he sees the, the, the mechanical skeleton beneath your hand. And you clench your fist. And he's like, are you all right? I'm fine, Sisk. It's just this artificial hand and, well, you know... With all that happened that all those years ago, it's just having difficulty with it. Okay, Cartain, look, look, look. I'll get everyone together. Um, remember the old hotel that we took over, the derelict place down on seven seven three. I'll get everyone there in the old boardroom. You can talk to them, and we'll just go from there. We'll take it one step at a time, Cartain. I can see that this means a lot to you, and. It means a lot to me too. I appreciate your help in this, Sisk. Get them to meet me there in three days. Three days? Alright. Alright. You gonna stay and have a drink or you got things to do? I might stay and have a drink. Very good. He sort of raises his hand. Excuse me, can we get another glass here? The halfling jumps off his stool and walks over. Reaches, like stretches up to look at the bar and he shakes his head. Sweeps it into a, um, like into a little, uh, what do you call it? Hand towel. Throws it in the bin. Puts another glass up. Grabs a bottle. Pours it. Places it down. And he's like, You people gotta be more careful. I can, uh, afford to be replacing, like, 30 glasses a night. Alright. He can, walks off. Jumps back up on his stool. And you continue to drink. Sitting next to Sisk, both of you embracing the quiet.
we see the old hotel that the Aegis, the Order of the Aegis, took over. It was once a derelict building where almost every wall was damaged with graffiti, ripped wallpaper with gunshot holes, with old shopping trolleys that have been bashed into them. But they cleaned it up and they used it as HQ. People would come in and out of here and collect any gear that they might need to take to other locations or to equip the fighters of the Order of the Ages. And there is an old boardroom in here that would be used as a a base of operations where all of the computer equipment would be to run the day-to-day information gathering and sharing of the Order of the Ages. And Torvan, Iron Grip, a friend of your father's that he fought alongside of. Here is an old paladin of the Order of the Ages. He's there, you can see at the back of his head, uh, poking out from just this simple sort of uh, shirt that he's got on, this long sleeve shirt. You can see the cybernetics that have been grafted to him. So he's able to cast some of the uh, the technomancy that paladins would use to defend Darkhaven. There's not many paladins left anymore. He stands near the entry to this boardroom and you can hear the voices of uh, some of the other people inside and Torven Iron Grip turns towards you and he's like, Cortain, my friend, it's been a long time. And he walks up and he grips your arm. In his, in his iron grip. Yeah, like the iron, yeah. the iron grip handshake. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the predator, the predator handshake. Yeah, boom! Both your muscles <laughs> are just like rippling and glistening. Yours beneath your uh, your new out armor outfit that have been given to you by Ultradie, and you can see his. Even though he's an older dwarf, you can see his muscles flex and become his shirt that he's wearing becomes tight. He. Uh, looks at you with his thick turned up eyebrows and he pushes some of the mustache out of his mouth and he says they've been waiting for you let's uh let's head in i'm actually very interested to hear what you've got to say i think they'll all be interested in what i have to say but it's good to see you old friend you uh, put on quite a show for us. I've been watching the replays on the telly. Mm. You uh, you fought that thing, boy. Yeah, myself and, and those I run with. It was something to remember. It was a good scrap. <laughs> uh, you know, I wish I was young so I could get into scraps like that. <laughs> You're still not too too old yet sure you'll get your own share in the near future let's hope so you both enter this boardroom and Torvan Iron Grip takes a seat and you see this large oval table all these people sitting around it you see a hobgoblin you know as Fendel you see McManta this big overweight human with a bushy red beard no hair on his head you see Danusi this small goblin with braids She's wearing this silver, almost foil-like jacket. You see Otsunara, this ancient elven woman. She's been in the Order of the Aegis for as long as it's ever been around. Well, they're the rumors anyway. 
and you see Sisk and some other people that you're not quite familiar with because you hadn't been involved in, um, you know, directly with the Aegis for a while because you've been doing, you know, mercenary work. Sisk mm-hmm. begins to quieten everybody down. Shh, shh, shh. All right. I've called you all here because Cortain Danis here. Some of you know his pop. Some of you have probably seen him on the TV. Seen Cortain on the TV, I should say. Uh, he's got something to share with us. And Sisk takes a seat at the table. Everyone sort of quietens down. Stand up. Thank you all for coming here. I know that we've all lost a lot in the last few months. Many of us lost friends, many of us lost family when the Aegis fell to the Edict. For many of you, the Aegis was all you'd ever known and was as dear to you as it was to me. We can't change the fact that the Aegis is dead, that it was not strong enough to stand up against the gangs and their rising power. But what I've brought you here to discuss is the rebirth of the Aegis. Not an organization that plays it safe, that waits and tries not to make trouble with the gangs, tries to placate them, and tries to simply curb their violent tendencies. But the rebirth into an organization that knows that Darkhaven, if it is going to thrive, needs stalwart defenders who don't shirk away from facing the injustices of gangs and crime lords. You see a lot of the people looking around at each other. Uh, some of them are nodding, and then others are looking a bit cautious, a bit worried what might come next. You all know that I, and most of you are probably aware that I've had dealings with Ultra Die. That it was in their tower that I fought that great monstrosity, and that I have been working with them. I have gotten them to agree that Darkhaven can be a better place. That Darkhaven should be a better place. And to that end, they are willing to help. They have given me this equipment that you see to help clean the streets and to protect the good citizens of Darkhaven. And with your support, the support of you find people who made the Aegis the good organization it was. They may be willing to provide this kind of arms and equipment to all those who sign up to defend and clean up Darkhaven, from those who see it as their playpen to abuse and gather wealth. Fendel, the uh, hobgoblin, stands up and he's like, Godane, I am with you, but... How do we not know that the syndicates will be able to trace and track us down like they did before? I hear you. They knew where we were. They knew where our safe houses were. They knew where our operations were going on. They came in with that big mecha bugbear thing. They swooped in and they they almost wiped us all out completely. You're right. They did have inside information. They did know where we were where our safe houses were. Because of that, many of us lost friends. Some of us even lost family. And some here, I know, only barely escaped with their lives. One thing that, one gift that Ultradi has has given us is the name of the person responsible. And I pull out that small cube from my pocket. What is it? What did they, what did they give you? Press a button. 
on the cube and throw it into the middle of the room where it, after flying till the apex of its, of its trajectory, it stops and begins to just slowly spin and hover there. I then sweep across on my, the data pad on my arm and Kia, you can see this, this man, this Turbo, as he was called from the edict, communicated with people within our organization with one person and I sweep to the next slide to the next to the next screen and there is a conversation log and connected to that conversation log is the name Sisk followed by his identification number everyone like turns their head some people stand up in anger Sisk puts his hands on the table like he's preparing for something he pushes his chair back a little bit. Torven Iron Grip, in an instant, you see him pull out a hand axe. It's edge glowing bright blue and crackling with this slight energy. He's holding it towards Sisk, not like on his neck or anything, but he's just pointing it towards him. And he says, please don't be true. My old friend, what have you done? Sisk leans back in his chair and his eyes wide open staring across at Torvin. He's speechless. I've brought more evidence for you all to look over. You here will act as his jury. You will be his his peers that decide what judgment, what punishment is fitting for him. Sorry, the members of the ex-Aegis start to look over the data. They touch the holographic display that is projected out of this cube and start to move screen to screen and read the information. They're all leaning over the desk. While Torven Iron Grip holds that small hand axe at Sisk's throat as he sits in the chair, sweating profusely. We see this warehouse in Lower Etika, the sort of industrial sector of New Etika. All of these buildings, like there are some, some taller buildings, not skyscraper buildings, some taller buildings and warehouses and factories in this large district of the city. Inside this warehouse, there are people lined up perfectly. They're wearing the same outfit as you were wearing, Cortain with the helmet on each of them have a sword or a um, hammer or an axe at their waist hanging across their chest on webbing over their chest plate armor their bulletproof chest plate armor there is an assault rifle submachine gun shotgun various weapons hanging from them some of these soldiers have shields across on their chest and on their shields there is this glowing blue emblem a broad sword over a kite shield and then the camera moves and we see this office with this window overlooking these soldiers who are standing there straight and these soldiers aren't all of the same height they're in a uniform and armor but they are all of various heights and widths a collection of people from dark haven hidden by these helmets and off in that room, watching over these soldiers, stands you, Cortain. 
with Torven Iron Grip at your right, and on your left there is Hayashida Sukaro. Hayashida says, Godzain, you've done a great job. You've one thing to deal with. And then Ultradai will give the approval for the Swords of Darkhaven to move out onto the street with their equipment. Torvan places his hand, he stretches out, places his hand on your shoulder, and he's like, Oi, son, you've done a fucking good job. Look at them. And as you look down upon the Swords of Darkhaven, you see Fendel the Hobgoblin in the similar armor as they're all wearing. No helmet on, the helmet is placed on the ground. And he is shouting something out to them, looking very serious. Shouting a command, and you can't quite hear it because it's so muffled as you're up in this office room. And they all pull free their pistols and point it forward. He shouts again, and they place it back in their holsters. He shouts out, and they all kneel down, and they grab their weapon at their side, but they do not draw it. And he walks up, and he looks at the men and women in front of him. And he shouts out again, and they stand up, and this time they pull free their swords, they lift their hammers and axes, and they shout. This, you can hear them shout. These 60 or so people shout out in unison. Justice for Darkhaven! Torvan takes his hand off of your shoulder, and you hear him mutter to himself, Justice for Darkhaven. As he nods, looking up to you, smiling. You leave the office. You go down the stairs into this small utility room with all the mops and buckets and equipment that you might use inside the warehouse, like plastic wrap for pallets and such. And there is a door, it says basement, and you open the door, light shines down into this pitch black room, and you walk down the steps. Torven Iron Grip closes the door behind you as the room goes from being lit by this beam of white light from the utility closet into complete darkness. You find this string at the bottom of the stairs and you pull it down and very, very dull yellow light appears over the head of Sisk. And he is bound to this central steel pole that's holding up this small room. In the corners of this room, there are some crates and boxes and barrels and such. Some old miscellaneous items that have been pushed to the edge away from the prisoner's grip and grasp. And he's on his knees. And there is a plastic cup tipped over and a plastic plate with scraps of some sort of gruel that is pushed to the edges. There's a mess on his face. And he's there in his jacket. There are some tears running down his face. And he looks up to you and he says, Cortain, I want you to know that I didn't... I didn't do it because I hate the people of Darkhaven. I didn't do it because I, I, I wanted to dishonor what we had built in the past. And I, I did it to protect, to, to better my family and my position. And I can, I can see that it's wrong now, that I shouldn't have taken them. That I shouldn't have betrayed what people before us, before your father, before Torvin and I built. But I want you to promise something to me, Cortain. I want you to not take it out on my family, my, my daughters, my wife. They didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know what I did. They still believe that I was a defender and a protector of Darkhaven. 
a protector of my home and my family. And I don't, I, I don't want you to lie and tell them any different because I know that I know you. Your integrity is strong, but I, I don't want you to punish them for it. Promise me that, Cortain. Promise me. There are a few days that I don't think about my father being killed by those gangsters. And there isn't a day that I don't miss him. But right now I'm glad that he isn't here to see what one of his closest friends did. I will give you my word that your family will not be punished. I did not seek retribution against you by myself. I sought justice and brought you to those whom you had hurt and that you had betrayed that they may judge you. The money that you were given, the money that your family has gained through this horrible act of yours, will be taken from them and given to the orphans that you have created through your actions. And will be given to the swords of Darkhaven so they can protect others from the vile injustices that you and your kind perpetrate. I see now that you are crying for your actions. He looks up at you, sobbing. But your tears do not bring back the dead, nor do they bring justice for what you have done. Those who once called you friend sentenced you to die. Now it is your death that will bring some kind of justice, what little can be given to the victims of your great betrayal. He just continues to sob, tears dropping from his face onto his jeans as he's kneeling on the ground, his hands bound behind his back, bound to the pole that holds this small roof above you. You kept my family safe though, and for that reason, and I lean down, say, I can forgive you for your acts. I stand up, the sword of my father begins to glow the bright red, and then in a sweep of my arm, the sword comes down and cuts his head off at his shoulders. The room is quiet, besides the humming of the energy running through your sword. This room is lit in the red light from your blade. As you place it back in its scabbard on your back, the room is only lit by that dull yellow light. And you look down on the corpse of an old friend, somebody you considered almost like an uncle to you. Someone who betrayed you, betrayed Darkhaven. Someone who got countless people killed. And you slightly hear the chant, the shout of those people who are willing and good. The people who will put their heart and soul into defending Darkhaven. Not just defending Darkhaven, but placing a sword into the fleshy underbelly of Darkhaven. Destroying the syndicates. And you hear them shout, justice for Darkhaven. Justice for Darkhaven. Justice for Darkhaven. And that's where we end it. Mm, nice. That was that was that was good. Oh, hello there. I didn't notice you sitting there listening to our podcast, but while you're here, let me say a few more things to you. Yes, a few more things. If you would like to support the show, head on over to store.beyondthedice.com. We've got merch there. Uh, it's not just podcast merch. There are more uh, D&D and RPG-related merch pieces. So have a look. 
The fabric of the t-shirts are incredibly soft and cuddly and uh, the perfect thing to wear during quarantine. But if you can't afford some sweet merch, that's totally understandable. But you can support us for free by telling a friend or just giving us a review because uh, reviews actually really do help podcasts. So if you do that, you can help us grow. There are some other things like Facebook, where our news and updates uh, if we're going to miss an episode or if you're going to get a bonus one that's where we will post uh, to share that we have instagram uh, where we share pictures of minis and board games and retro stuff and a youtube channel if you do that and we have discord you can find all of these links on our website which is beyondthedice.com take care and have fun cyborgs <laughs>